Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks. Uh, it's great to be here again with you. And I've got another interview for you today. And I, um, a good friend of mine, a writer, a coach, uh, someone who's been a real encouragement to me and a support to me on my own kind of creative journey, Jim Woods. Uh, so hello, Jim. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Great. So, Jim, um, yeah, we're going to be talking like creativity and writing and authenticity, all these kind of things today. So just tell us a bit about um, your story, who you are, and, you know, kind of what you're doing and what you do. Sure, yeah. I am a writer. I'm actually a full-time writer. Um, I have a background in accounting, and that was what my uh, college degree was in. Uh, in July of 2011, I had a nervous breakdown, and I was just miserable, and I hated my job. I hated where I was in life, and I just knew something was wrong. I knew I was, you know, letting the days just fly by. And uh, where I worked, a lot of the folks there were just kind of crossing off, you know, days on the calendar. And I was, let me do the math here. I want to I say I was like 30 at the time. And I was like, I'm 30 and I, I want to accomplish big things. I want to do big things. But everyone around me is like, you know, counting down the days till they retire. And I just knew that something had to change. And over the course of like the next maybe three, four months, I started just to, to reflect, um, to think about what I enjoyed doing and where I was and who I was before I had a career as an accountant. And it was kind of like one of those moments, James, where you're, you know, just looking backwards and kind of putting the pieces together like a puzzle of sorts. And I just started discovering that I really enjoyed writing. And it was one of those things where I never embraced it. I just kind of played around with it, kind of like a hobby, just um, nothing. I never put a label on it. And I never considered myself a writer. And I, I was able to meet with some great folks in Nashville who were just really an, an encouragement and inspiration to me. And I was able to just form some friendships there. And then it was almost like a, a trampoline. It was like, okay, I've learned my lessons. Now it's time to kind of go on my way. I had my uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi moments, and I, um, I was kind of like Luke Skywalker. And I said, okay, thanks, Obi-Wan. Now I'm you know, going to go, yeah. you know, go on my own journey. Yeah. And honestly, that's a pretty decent recap of where I am now. It's... January or excuse me, February now of, of uh, 2016, and uh, it'll be right at about five years coming this summer. Um, going from I would say rock bottom, and now I've been self-employed. Uh, come later this summer, it'll be two years of being self-employed. So, quite a big transition. Um, you know, quite the journey, quite the adventure. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So how? So how did you get to the place where you kind of decided, right, okay, I can't, I can't do this, as, I can't do this accounting stuff anymore as my day-to-day -day job? I and mean, what kind of gave you the courage to take the risk of stepping out and being, making writing something you do like as your, almost like your day job? You know, I don't think I had a choice. I think my body was simply breaking down and I've never 
truly, truly experienced like stress or real depression or, you know, all those physical, you know, symptoms before. But I was just a total mess, James. I was having heart palpitations, which is when it feels like your heart's just going to go flying out of your chest. And I never had experienced anything like that before. I was, like I said, I was 30 and I was diagnosed with asthma just kind of out of the blue. I never had asthma before. Right. And I wake up with just weird aches and pains every day. And I went to, you know, the doctor and they kept giving me different medications and it was like nothing was helping. And I, I just, I think it was just a turn of events kind of over time where I realized this ain't working. This is, this is not just a physical thing. This is a stress thing. This is an unhappiness thing. And it, it, I don't think I was being self-aware. I don't think I was being mindful. I think I was just kind of going through the motions, which I think um, was the real root problem. I was just kind of doing as I was told to do, you know, the family. And I had uh, one daughter at the time and, you know, the house and, you know, the white picket fence and all the, you know, stuff you're supposed to do. And it just wasn't the right fit for me. Wasn't who you... So it wasn't kind of who you who you were. You knew you were someone... You were meant to be doing something different and you weren't doing it. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, too, James, one big turning point as well. Uh, I took a personality test. There are some awesome free personality tests online. And I took one and it was like kind of rediscovering myself because... It said, look, mm. you're creative. You're an artist. And I'm like, I am not doing anything creative. I am doing things that are the exact opposite of creative. I'm doing things that are very automated and um, mechanical and you know, very dull and repetitive. And I just, I was like, so this doesn't match up. You know, it's that square peg kind of round hole moment. And when I read that, that um, that I was an INFP, which is kind of the artists is one of the labels for it. that's Myers Briggs. Oh INFP. yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I'm an INFJ. I, I knew you were close to me, um, <laughs> but I, I literally was almost tearing up. I was just like, "Whoa, this what? Huh?" And it was like rediscovering myself. And I think that um, it was it was then I, I really started to you know hit the turbo boost and really started to more aggressively think, okay, I'm just got sidetracked, honestly, very, 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 you know, sidetracked because of years of denying it. I mean, I had been out of college for almost 10 years at that point. Um, but I think that, I think that's what it really was. Wow. So, yeah. So what did you, so, so what did you do then practically in kind of response to this? Like what was your, what was your next step, like, in terms of well, realizing I, all this stuff and then actually taking action on it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the biggest step for me was kind of, again, that reflection. And I went through my hard drive of my computer, and I found a story that I had written um, just on a whim. No reason, just it came to me, and it was very natural. And I just typed it out and put it away, and that was it. And when I read that, I thought whoa, I must, I might be a writer. Wait a second here. And then I kept thinking a little bit more and I thought about, you know what? Right after college, I was in a band 
and I would write a lot of lyrics and I would play guitar and I just started kind of piecing it together because no one's going to tell you like what you should go do. You really have to discover yourself and you have to, you know, think and pray and reflect on it before it'll come to you. Um, it's a perspective thing, I think James. And I started to really piece it together and I was like, okay, wait a second. So those years of writing lyrics and poetry and filling notebooks, it kind of connects together with being a writer, but no one ever told me. I didn't get the, Hey, you're a good writer from my English teacher ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I get the paper back with the marks on it. And I think I'm bad. I'm, I'm not good. I've got red mark, red pen phobia, you know, red pen mark all over my, all over my page. So therefore I must not be good. But I think that, um, you know, kind of ignoring some of the um, things that you might have been told is another great way to kind of move forward and figure out your own, your own destination, your own journey and your own path. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I, I've interviewed other people on here and I've um, got a friend who <clears throat> he's dyslexic, yeah, writing dyslexia, and but he had this he had this thing he had this message that he knew he had to share he knew he had to get this out there into the world and share it with people that even if it didn't sell any copies that you know, that he had to make this thing and so he just found a way to overcome his dyslexia and just he wrote this book and it's an amazing book you know um, I think we can easily let our culture and the people around us tell us who we're meant to be or what we're meant to be, uh, what, what society kind of has decided we're going to be instead of actually, um, listening to, you know, listening to our life. If you see what I mean, because mm -hmm. I, I always say to people that actually sometimes what, what you're called to do is probably, you might already be doing it, but you just don't realize you're doing it. So, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the amazing thing now, James, I realized that some of those parts that I really thought were mistakes, I'm still using accounting now in my own business. It was a good thing. There are some parts of my business that seriously do bore me to tears still. Thankfully, they're much, much, you know, smaller in amounts. It's just a, you know, a sliver of what I do versus being all of what I do. But you can learn so much all of those mistakes all of those challenging hard times you can piece it together and i just love the imagery of a puzzle you never ever get a puzzle and just shake the box once and it comes out perfect and it's all put together mm. it's it's an experiment it's constant it's tweaking and i i have a friend who he's very similar he's in the same same kind of place that i was years ago and I know it's just itching at him, and he's just wanting to quit so bad. But he knows the timing's not right, and so he's just in that constant phase of, you know, putting the pieces together. And I told him, I literally told him last night, so this is up to date. I told him last night, I said, I think you're figuring out the corners. I think you know the corners of your puzzle. I think you have an idea, but you still need to keep working, you know, on the middle. You know, and I, I just love that imagery. My son is three years old, and he loves putting together puzzles. So it's just something that's, you know, I'm a visual guy. I'm a visual learner. And I think that that, you know, watching my son even do it 
is probably inspired me in a lot of ways where, you know, it's, you're not getting it right the first time. And once you get it right and once you do complete the puzzle, you guess what? You're, you're probably going to go to another adventure down the road and you get to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I did a, I did a podcast series on calling last, uh, last month. And one of the things that, that I realized about calling is that we don't, we don't just have one calling, you know, and, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm called to do this, and that's the only thing I'm called to do for the rest of my life. It's like, right. or even that's the only thing I'm called to do now, you know, because it might be that you're called to do different things at the same time. It may be that you call called to one thing for one season and called to one thing for another season. You may have a calling that lasts a lifetime, but that won't be your only calling. You know, well, you and I, we're, we're writers, you know, um, we're called to write. Um, we're going to write, probably going to write for the rest of our lives, you know, but there'll be other things that we do, which are important and which we enjoy, which maybe we're good at and which will be, which will be cool to do. And they'll be for seasons, you know? So Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah. James, just on that same topic, I, I think it's so easy to wrap up your entire identity in that calling in your profession, especially, and just say, Oh, well, you're a writer. Therefore, you must fit this box, this box that others in culture, you know, view of writers. I think that that a lot of this is not true. I think that for ages, for me, it was really hard for me to even just proclaim, hey, I'm a writer because I love movies. I love, you know, Mm. movies and comic books and I have a lot of different interests and like earlier, I said I love music, and for a while, I really thought I just wanted to play music and just do that. Um, and it's it's absolutely fine to have different interests. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And I don't think we should focus as much as we do on that profession, on that that label and that identity that we often attach to it. Um, and in some ways, we just need to you know, get to know each other as people, not like we're, you know, uh, a human resources department where it's like, well, and what do you do? I mean, that's often like one of the, you know, fallbacks on small talk when you meet people and what do you do? What's your job? I think that that's just a bad approach because I think we, we can't get to know each other when it's like, well, Oh, you're a writer. Oh, that means you just like to, you know, right off in the corner and you don't like to spend time talking to people and, you know, or even podcasting. If you think about it, it's very much the opposite of writing. You know, it's like, it, it doesn't really match up. Um, mm. So I think it, what the, the good question to ask would be, well, what's something you're really excited about? What's something you're really passionate about? Um, you know, it's there, we all have a lot of different passions and I think there's a lot of different paths that each of us can take. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I've heard a lot about uh, people talking about passions and all this kind of thing. And um, one thing I heard, which I thought was really wise uh, from a friend of mine, was it's not simply about following passion. It's about, okay, looking at yourself and saying, okay, who am I? What am I good at? What are my skills? What are my talents? What, What can I do? You know, and then kind of for me, you see, calling is when you align your skills, your talents, your gifts, 
to the things that you you're passionate about, the things that you care about, the causes or the interests or the you know the knowledge or whatever that, that you're passionate about, uh, and then you bring those together, and that that becomes kind of a calling. And you know you can't have you can't just have you can't have a calling with just passion, and you can't have a calling with just talents you know you've got to have it's got to be something it's like a it's like a fusion of those two things right I think. right yeah no i agree that makes sense it totally totally makes sense cool yeah thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> um okay so what's the kind of, what what work are you doing now what kind of things do you do now wow i do a lot of different work and i love it because it's just so diverse um i write freelance articles um for various blogs. Uh, one of them is actually a rehab clinic. So I write about addiction and, um, depression and, you know, family dynamics and uh, a lot of these, you know, serious topics. And one of my, and, and it's not that I necessarily love writing about that, but I love the possible impact from that, that you can do something and you can write, you know, words on a page that actually saves someone's life or turn their life around. So I, I kind of, that's kind of one of my uh, um, projects where it's like I grind through it and I'm so just thrilled when I'm done with it. And I'm just so excited, like, wow, this could save, you know, potentially, you know, I don't even know how many people, I don't know how many people have even read these different articles because they go on different websites, but that's something I do. Um, I'm also the editor at Productivityist. It's a website of all about productivity. Um, and I love that because then I get to work with other writers. And uh, I have my own course that I've made. It's called Write, Publish, Share, which is kind of a step-by-step way for a blogger to become an author. That's kind of like a, a, another project of mine. Um, and currently, my number one project is a couple novels that I'm writing, which are just totally fiction. Um, and it's it's just so neat, James, because I can see it kind of piecing together. Mm. All of these things I'm learning on Productivityist can help me, you know, stay on track and stay focused. Because I'm the, I'm the cliche, you know, creative artist guy who is emotional and I just I'm not a big habits guy I just want to you know play it more on emotion but productivity is kind of keeps me in line it's almost like a a boundary of sorts I continually am learning there and like I've learned new approaches where I can just get more work done versus you know riding it out sheerly on emotions Mm. Um, and you know having a feast or famine kind of mentality with creativity and uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, that's enough to keep me busy right there. I, uh, I, I my main passion right now is working on my novels. It's just it's it's scary and it's untreaded water for me because I've written a few nonfiction books. It's it's completely different to go through and you know to have to worry about story arc and character development and all those different areas. Yeah, I mean, it's always. It, I've not, I've not actually written fiction yet, and I mean I know that I want to do that sometime in the future. <clears throat> but I know I know enough about it to know that you know moving from one moving from fiction to nonfiction is a it's a pretty big jump. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a completely different way of writing. You know, it's completely different. So 
Yes. Well, that's really, really exciting that you're, you know, that you, because I, I, you know, I've known, just for benefit of people who are listening, I've known Jim for a while, and he's always been, <clears throat> he's always been a non-fiction writer. Um, all the stuff that I've read of his has been basically non-fiction, and, and it's really good, by the way. Um, JimWoodsWrites.com, check that out. Um, yeah, lots of wisdom on writing, creativity and things. Um and I can and I can also testify to the fact that Jim's a great coach because I've uh, I've done one of Jim's uh, ninety day writing mastermind courses and the accountability and the wisdom and all that kind of thing was really really helpful. So this guy knows knows his stuff. <laughs> um, that, that ninety day uh, mastermind that's also just an amazing way to keep on track for me because I'm just I love. That it's not a huge, you know, one year kind of course. You know what I'm saying? Those one year kind of things. That's just it's bigger than my mind can wrap. You know, wrap itself. Yeah. yeah. Ninety days, I can say, okay, that's a little chunk of time we can go attack. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, one of the things that you know you and I talk about a lot when we when we talk about uh, writing is about um, artistic integrity and um, and authenticity in our writing and. Yeah, and how you know we see a lot of people who, you know, who are bloggers and who are well-known bloggers and, and authors and stuff who, who can who can lack that at times. I mean, um, so what I mean, what what is kind of, what does it mean to you to be, yeah? You know, and I know authentic is kind of a jargon word, but to be sure. kind of authentic and uh, and have artistic integrity in what you do. James, I'll be honest. I, I think it really is simple. I think it is what you see is what you get. And I think it is being honest and straightforward. And I always, always, always want to, you know, have that approach because I think it's all too easy to frame yourself for different audiences or, or in, if you're on a say, let's just say you're, you know, guest posting on a different site, you could completely change your voice and change your approach and act like you're someone else. Mm. And I just, I think it's just being honest, being straightforward. And I'm all, you know, I, I own a business and I'm very business minded, but I think in some cases it's so easy to kind of let that integrity slide just for the dollar. And as an artist, I know it's always a struggle between, you know, are you, you know, completely 100% authentic or are you quote unquote selling out? And I think that it's a decision that you have to make. You have to live with it and you have to be true to yourself. And Honestly, this fiction adventure for me, it's been a bit of a struggle for me because I know to write good fiction, it's going to make some people very uncomfortable and it's not going to line up nice and pretty and um, neat with some of the you know, nonfiction where I can be a little more encouraging and you know, really express my heart in fiction and you're bringing the struggle. You're bringing, you know, I'm, I'm going to write some crime you know, thriller type books. I mean, there's going to be some grotesque, you know, brutal stuff in there. So I've struggled with that one a bit because I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to be known for that. But I think a lot of this at times too, James can be fear. 
Mm. and fear and resistance and just those, you know, thoughts in the back of your head that are stopping you from putting it out there. You know, are you, is it something you really want to share and you're doing it for the right reasons or are you just trying to get everyone to like you? That's right. I mean, that's, 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 that's absolutely nailed it. I mean, what I have found, I mean, I'm a people pleaser, you know, and what I have found is that the writing that I do that is not authentic is, I would call it people pleasing writing. It's, it's saying, it's like, and it's, and it's on a very subconscious level. It's not that you, for me, certainly that's how it was. It was, it's not like I would sit down and think, and I'm just just going to write what people want to hear. But it was something inside of me, like the, the Heisenberg principle. You know, you know something's going to be seen by people. So it can affect how you, how you write it, how you, how you talk to people, if you know it's going to go out to people. Um, and sometimes that can be a good thing in terms of discernment and, you know, appropriateness and things. Um, but it can also be a bad thing when it becomes that you're just trying to be popular, you're just trying to say what people want to hear, you're trying to use the, 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 the words that will come up on the search engines, you're trying to come up with a title that will be, that'll be good for, you know, search engine optimization, you know, and sure. um, and so you start becoming a people pleaser and then you lose your heart when you do that. Right. Well, I think passion by default is pretty messy. It's pretty raw. And anytime I see someone who has had a lot of success I think it's easy to fall into more the people-pleasing mindset. But if you're really passionate and if your attitude is like, hey, I just want to learn. I just want to grow. I just want to share my stuff with the world. I think it's going to be a little more raw and a little more um, unrefined. And I think it's refreshing to people because I think we've read a lot of content. I think we've heard a lot of content. I think we're ready for someone who, even if we don't agree with them, someone we know that is just being very real. I think that's what we're really craving. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's really difficult. I mean, it's really difficult to really be... I find I struggle when I'm writing blog posts, especially, um, that to, to really be real, to really, like, to really get into is this really what I'm thinking? Is this really how I would say this to people? Is this really what's going on? You know, am I, are the words and language that I'm using, is this really me? You know, and sometimes you can dress it up and it makes it look like it, like it is you. And, but you know, something inside of you that isn't quite you, you know, that it's just, a, that it's just BS that people will, will read because it's, right, you know, because right. maybe you've got a writing gift and you can use it and you can, you can make words do things, you know, and to make it sound good. But you know that, right. that it's not quite you. I mean, I don't know if you've experienced that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's natural. It's normal. I don't think there's anything wrong with it because it's that trial and error process. Mm. Uh, you know, a, a, a young child is going to repeat the sounds they hear. You know what I'm saying? You know, I can tell you this with my son. It's like you say a word, he's going to repeat the same word. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as you're learning, as you're growing, you know, you're writing out the ABCs and you're writing out the letter A a bunch of times. Um, 
But once you get the alphabet down, you need to start writing your own, you know, your own sentences versus that copy and paste mentality of creativity. And I think that's the root of the problem. I think that we see a, you know, this guy over here, this gal over here was really successful. I want to be successful too. So if I do what this person did, I will be successful. And Mm. I think that a lot of times we'll see that online. It's used a ton, um, kind of as a marketing approach. Sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes people just do it instinctively. And I'm not here to try to be the, um, all, you know, all high and mighty judge of marketing, but I don't know if that's really sincere. I don't think it works. At least the folks I've talked to in my own, you know, in my own circumstances, I think that we have to, you know, learn as much as possible, but then it's like, it's like gumbo. You start, you know, your own ingredients and you do your own thing. It's Mm. like cooking really. Um, but even calling it cooking, um, you know, you can make a great dinner tonight. Does that mean you're going to make a great dinner tomorrow? No, it doesn't. It just means that you know, it's a continual process and you're going to strike out. You're going to mess up. You're going to have a few dinners where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to eat this or just throw it out because it doesn't taste right. I know this isn't right. Um, I question if we are all trying to succeed all the time and we're just that afraid of failure. Um, I kind of, I've been embracing failure a bit, even maybe a little, maybe a little bit too much in this, like, Hey, no matter what I do, when I put out my first novel, even if it doesn't sell any copies, I'm kind of of the thought I win by default. I know Mm. I win. Even if it fails to everybody else, I, I know in my heart, like, Hey, this is something I can be proud of. This is something where I know, you know, that, not at least I share the story that I feel others will enjoy. You know, that's, that's really my end goal. And honestly, and that I enjoyed it too. Um, you know, as far as this whole success thing, it's very relative. It's very, very relative. Yeah. I I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, it's funny because I was listening to, um, a podcast by Rob Bell, and he was talking about he was being really honest about his writing journey, his creative journey, and his creative process. And um, mm-hmm. he said, he said uh, very honestly, said, "I don't have a grand plan. Mm-hmm. I don't have this like other people do. I don't have a grand plan for what I'm going to do. I just, I just go and make the next thing, you know." And yeah, he told a story about a tour that he'd done where almost nobody had turned up and it had become, um, you know, around the time that Love Wins came out and people were not coming because of Love Wins. And mm-hmm. it ended up that he was actually paying to go on the tour <laughs> rather than getting paid because so few people were turning up. But he said right. that was one of the best experiences that he's had and he's learned so much from it. And he loved right. doing it anyway um, because it was the right thing to do. And that's just what he what he does um and i love that i love that because he just makes the next thing that he wants that he wants to make you know Um, that's that's a refreshing attitude because it's like hey i'm a student i just want to learn i'm a kid 
that's been given a bunch of crayons and I'm going to, you know, go create something. And it doesn't really matter, you know, what's next. I'm just going to enjoy this right now. And that's, it's just refreshing. I love that. Yeah. I know it's really inspiring to me. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you say? I mean, obviously you do this full time, you know, I mean, I've, I've written about how, you know, our calling or our, or whatever, it doesn't have to be our day job, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, it is for you, um, obviously, but, um, how, I mean, what would you say to people who kind of, this isn't their day job right. and maybe they're struggling to, like me, I mean, to be to honest, it's not my day job. I haven't made money out of my writing yet. I mean, I, I hope to in the future and right. it may never be my day job. It may be my day job, but yeah, yeah. What do you say to people who are kind of where I am more? Um, well, you know what, James? Um, when I made the transition, when I put in my resignation, I was scared to death. I was sincerely scared to death. But I knew it was the right thing. And I'm a Christian, and I'm a man of faith. And I, it was something where I just knew God was pulling me in a direction. And I said, I can listen or I can try to ignore it. Um, at the time, I was in Nashville, which, as you know, is like the blogging, writing capital of the world. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. It, 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 this, I'll just give you a little insight on this story because this story is just unbelievable. Um, we had our house up for sale. Um, our townhome in Nashville is up for sale. And uh, a job opportunity came up. It was another accounting job. And... I was, it wasn't a promotion, but it would have been a change of scenery for me. It would have been, hey, new change of scenery, new change of pace. Okay. Well, I was one of the top candidates for this job, but I didn't get it. And that right there, I was like, whoa, huh. Okay. Chalk that up. That's pretty, pretty surprising because I knew I was the top candidate. I had the most experience. Um, I had worked with the other folks there before. I mean, I was the top choice, probably. And then we were looking at other houses, like, okay, well, let's move. We're going to get a hopefully a bigger house. We had another um, another child at that point. You know, I was thinking, okay, well, we can settle down, get a little bit bigger house. Um, you know, and that whole transition time. And I, we found a house, and it looked nice, and it seemed nice, and. I knew it could work, but something in my heart just said, no, you cannot do this. You cannot do this. It's, it's in our budget. It's a nice area. You know, it had so many pros, but my heart was just sinking. And that was like this moment of faith for me where it's like, I can force fit it. I can try to make this work. I can, you know, grind it out and pretend that I'm completely in control here. Or I can give it to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you on this, and I have no clue what I'm really doing. And if you really you know, look at a lot of artists, a lot of creative folks, heck, anyone who's happy, at some point I think you're really going to have that leap of faith. And this was, in a lot of ways, my leap of faith where I'm like, you know, I'm, I had the heart-to-heart with my wife, and I said, look. I just know this isn't the right fit. And, you know, we moved from Tennessee and Nashville in such a desirable area, you know, to Ohio, which sounds kind of weird and crazy, 
but it's been an amazing, amazing journey for us. And it, we're now we're close to our family and our kids can spend more time with the grandparents and I'm making less money than I did in Nashville. I'm making a, about half of what I made in Nashville, right. but my quality of life has skyrocketed. And now I'm able to spend more time with my kids and, you know, working from home is an incredible luxury it's challenging at times too with a three-year-old running around, but, um, this whole transition, it's, I can't take all the credit for this at all. That would be completely insincere of, of me to say, Oh, well, I did this. Honestly, I think God did this and I listened. And the, the key for me, honestly, too, James, I was literally given a freelance writing opportunity after I turned in my resignation like the next day and I still have that job, you know, where I, and that's mostly right there is how I pay the bills. So I think the leap of faith was required mm. for me before I could really even bring in that much income. And I'm not saying, you know, everybody quit their job and, you know, just take the leap of faith. No, you, it's an individual thing. You have to, you know, listen to God. You have to communicate with your, your, your significant other. You have to, you know, be open and honest and express, you know, what's really going on. I think that's the real core. And you have to work like crazy. And good things will happen as you continue to work like crazy. Um, I really, James, if I was piecing this together, if this, if Jim was writing this, my, you know, my second book would have taken off through the roof and it would have done fantastic and you know i would have had you know 10 books out by now and you know it's i wouldn't have written it like this at all mm -hmm. and uh i think it's i think you just really have to say look you know i think faith is a huge part of all this i think that you know that hustling work ethic um surrounding yourself with good friends you know like yourself and we have a few other friends that we keep in touch with some and mm -hmm. um just encouragement and support that's the real key in this. It's not like there's a, you know, a, a clock that's running and it's like, oh my gosh, I have to be, you know, I have to go do this full time by a certain time. That's not how this works. Um, I'm still struggling to find time to work in my novel because I don't get paid for this yet. This is all, you know, my work until mm -hmm. I release it and put it out to the world. I'm just like you, James, you know, working in the, in the margins. I'm just like everyone else out there hustling, basically squeezing the extra work in. And um, we are not that different. We really aren't. I think it's more those, you know, you can nitpick and say, well, this is different and that's different. And you get to work out of coffee shops and libraries and I'm stuck in a cubicle. I think that Yes, those things can, you know, irritate you and they can be nice little perks, but overall it's really an attitude. Um, it's an attitude of, Hey, I'm giving this all I've got. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to pursue more. And, you know, again, like I said, I think faith is a huge element in all this because mm -hmm. if you don't have faith, you're really putting a whole lot on just yourself. Hmm. That's great wisdom. That's really great. Um, I, I just it just jumped out at me because that's that's really my other part of the story. You know what I'm saying? And I've not really been able to express that clearly or even put it completely out there because I'm still piecing all this chaos together. Yeah. Uh, 
sure. now because it's like you, you can get so caught up in the day to day that you don't think about the bigger you know story yeah okay oh this has been so good definitely gonna have to have you back at some point um so just to finish um well i mean there's a lot i know i know a lot of writers listen to this uh, podcast so um like what would be like one thing that you would say to somebody who's kind of just starting out on this journey like one like thing that you've learned thing that you would want to pass on to people I think the number one killer of creativity is comparison. I struggle with it every single day. I think, I think it's inevitable, but I think that, you know, comparing yourself to others, comparing your art, comparing your passion to others is just the ultimate distraction. And I think that doing whatever it takes for you to create you know, to have just an area to create is what you've got to do. You know, if it means taking Facebook off your phone, which I have <laughs> for a while, I had the old school, you know, flip phone with no internet on it. Um, if it means not having your own website, I think that can be a big distraction for a lot of folks. Um, if I was really starting out all over again, I would have just written on medium.com for a few years and not even had my own website because I think, uh, having the freedom to write on anything is really beautiful. Uh, again, medium.com. I think that's the best writing, you know, site for any writer to start out because you just have so much flexibility. You don't have to worry about creating your own site and branding your work and all the many parts that a writer has to worry about and building a platform and all of that. You can just write on that page and see how people respond. And I think that's just really awesome, um, you know, to have that opportunity. And it's free, and it's you don't have to worry about hosting and building websites and all of that. So I think just, you know, don't compare. You know, just try to put the blinders up and ignore absolutely everything online. Read all you want. You can read all the books you want. That's fine. I don't think people are having a problem with the distraction of reading books. I don't think that's the real core problem. I think it's more worried about, well, this blogger says do this, and this blogger says do that, and yeah. this person on social media says do this. You know, And I think that's the real problem. You can avoid so many problems. Um, and, and last but not least, you have to have some form of support in this, whether it be a coach, whether it just be a friend. Um, whether it be just someone you email or talk to on the phone, you need the support in there, but don't replace the, you know, support with social media in general. That's not the same thing. So, you know, just get some form of, so I don't care if it's one person, one person can make a big difference for you, especially if they're encouraging. So, uh, you know, keep the blinders up, no comparison, I would literally have just written on medium.com for at least, you know, two years, something like that. Medium is great. I've, I've written a few things for them. I've got an account with them. Um, yeah. They are really, really good. And you could even and, do it on your phone as well, you know. Yeah, that, I, I love it. And I, I and just don't forget the support aspect. That, that would be my answer, James. I know it's threefold, but um, just the struggles I've faced, it's just, it can be so discouraging and so disheartening. 
um, and also so fun and so exciting. It's like it. I, you asked me earlier how I was doing. I was kind of like, well, honestly, it's a roller coaster, and I mean, I love it. I'm not getting off the ride, but there are a lot of ups and downs in this. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jim. Um, Absolutely. Um, yeah, My we'll pleasure. Def- thank you for having me. That's great. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Um, so, uh, yeah, great. That's uh, Well, that's all for this week, uh, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed listening to Jim and his great wisdom. And um, <laughs> And we will talk again soon. Take care. My great wisdom.